You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 94, Five Hacks to Capture and Keep Students' Attention. Well, hey, everyone, back for another solo episode. And I wanted to talk about five ways uh, that you can keep students' attention uh, when you're trying to go through an activity, teach a lesson, or anything uh, in between. We know that the attention span of teenagers, especially with the rapid introduction and use of technology, has lessened and lessened. Um, So what are some ways that we can balance the rhythm of our ministry and methods we can implement to make sure our students are tuned in and engaged? Very first one is, um, I do appreciate some good alliteration, integrate intentional interaction. So I'm sure by now, so many of you have heard about the seven-minute rule. I remember hearing uh, Josh Griffin talk about this a long time ago. Um, Dan, who I had on a few episodes ago, mentioned it. It's how he structures some of the lessons he has available um, on Youth Ministry Hub. Um, Every seven minutes is a good metric to use for doing something different in your rhythm. So whether it's pausing how you're teaching and have everyone watch a YouTube video or turn to your neighbor for 30 seconds and answer this question, or have everyone stand up and move somewhere else. Um, being able to engage them differently every seven minutes uh, is a good way to keep them on their toes and keep them engaged. Um, for me, when I first implemented this years ago, uh, it was a game changer in how my students were able to uh, engage and pay attention. Uh, The Word of God is active, so let's make sure our students are too, and it will uh, help them substantially more um, in them being able to capture what you're saying, what's going on, and be able to have a good approach themselves to coming to youth ministry. All right, that's the first one. Second one, know when to utilize and minimize technology. my last role, uh, I um, had like a two to three year grace window of slowly modifying and continuing to tighten the rules on students using their phones uh, on trips. So if we went to a mission trip, did a youth camp um, or retreat, and after every single one of those rules every year was broken, year after year, I eventually banned cell phones from those um, trips. Now, this was back in 2016, maybe. So I realized uh, in 2023, especially post-COVID, the way that we look at phones, handle phones, um, you know, has changed. And depending on the size of church and the culture and expectations of your parents, not even just your students, Um, I realized that banning phones from uh, big events like that uh, for a lot of you might seem or be impossible. 
Um, but I just want to talk through my reasoning for it and the feedback I got for it. Um, I think learning to use technology based on the habits and tendencies of those your ministry is important. Uh, but when I eventually banned cell phones from those trips and big events, I had students unprompted thanking my volunteer leaders and me for doing that because they said they were able to focus on what we were there for um, and not be tuned out to what was going on or just having to have it with them uh, to calm any um, anxiety that they had. And they really enjoyed it. Um, And having a good mix of activities that mix in technology and then the lack thereof um, is a good rhythm to have. And um, it also allows us to talk more with our students about how technology affects us. And whether it was junior high or high schoolers um, over the years, pre-cell phone event ban for me and post, um, it's funny when you break down, here's social media, here's everything you guys are engaged in. Hey, if you guys become parents later in life and you have kids, how old are they going to be before you let them have a cell phone or get TikTok or Instagram? Every single one of those students, um, their age, uh, guys, girls, you know, all of them said, oh, we're going to wait as long as possible. It's not great. Like, I don't want them to be tied in like, like I am and how it's affected me is this. They're very meticulous and detailed on how it's, affected them negatively. um, And yet they're all tied to it. We're tied to it as adults. We're all tied to it. And so it's weird how you can like detail and say, yeah, this is terrible for me. Not saying that all technology is terrible, but just the habits and the way I digest it and use it has become an addiction or it's not good. I can see all that and objectively reason yes, but then I'm still in it and doing it. And so we need to be able to help them live out the warnings and the bad habits that that they want to break and set that tone. And I realize that's going to be subjective based on how you communicate with their parents and your students and getting that set, right? The very first event that you ban phones is probably going to be like banging your head against the wall and you're going to be addressing it more than you want to. But when they trust you and your leadership and the culture of why we're doing it, we're not doing it just to be mean or just to, say, okay, great, now you don't have nothing to distract you. Now you have to listen to me, right? It's trying to care for them. Uh, Maybe doing a series on technology before you say, hey, in light of the great discussion we've had for these four or six weeks, we have an event coming up in a month. For that event, we're not going to have phones allowed. When you come in the building or when you show up to get in the bus, we're going to have you turn in your cell phones, right? And They'll be turned off and they'll be there. And if your parents have to get a hold of you, they can do it through any of our leaders, right? And we're going to see how this event compares to other events that we always have our phones with us. So whether you're teaching or doing a game or at a camp uh, or mission trip, find ways to, yes, use technology, but also some purpose times of not and make it the expectation. And the more you do it, the more it'll be ingrained into the culture and philosophy of your ministry, 
and you'll get appreciation for it. There's always going to be a few who are always going to not like it. But think about the benefits for them and for everyone overall when you do that. All right, that's number two. The third hack to keep everyone's attention is to change things up and keep it fresh. Um, You know, I assume that most of our regular programming looks the same week in, week out. Greeting, announcements, game, worship, message, small groups, peace out, right? Those routines can be great, especially for us trying to plan out weeks or months ahead of time. What am I going to talk about? What's going to be best for me to have things ready, right? It's And having a routine is good for students, especially students who, you know, struggle with not having good structure and they need that, right? So that is good. Um, but kind of going back to the seven-minute rule, having some change-up um, and keeping things fresh is another way to help students engage well, right? So throwing off expectations every so often, even subtly, can provide enough variety to spark curiosity and attention, right? Imagine walking into the room and there's no chairs, or the chairs are oriented in a different way, or they walk into the room, there's a big note saying, hey, follow the arrows, you're going to find Jeff, or you're going to find your your leaders in this other room, and we're going to do something different, right? Like, it's just like, whoa, what, what's going to go on? You know, what what's happening? Um, this method tends to have greater efficacy with junior high students, um, but it can certainly work with high school students. Um, you know, maybe you Skype in a missionary. Um, you know, you have prayer stations. Um, you say, hey, we're going to do a campus-wide scavenger hunt, right? And don't give them any heads up. They're going to show up and boom, there it is. Um, when students stop assuming they know exactly what's going to happen um, and going through the motions, they wonder what's going to happen next and they have a renewed appreciation for the experience. All right, so change it up, keep it fresh. That's number three. Number four, um, this one might seem like a no-brainer, uh, ditched closed-end questions and church answers. Just as Paul preached the gospel to confidants nearly two decades into his own ministry to make sure he was still preaching the same gospel and still on track, it's good for us to reflect on the fundamentals of what drives deep conversations in ministry. Holding students accountable for their answers is a big one. Don't let them off the hook, even if the answer seems obvious, right? Uh, Jesus, uh, church, uh, love others. Okay, craft small group questions for leaders to facilitate, not a time for them to monologue in small groups, right? Um, Explanations can easily glide on the surface and sound hollow, so push back when they're offered. Um, Remind your students that no one can have faith for them. It's up to them to uh, ask better questions and think about why they believe what they believe. So set up your small group question time and even the way that you present your teaching time um, in a way that uh, causes them to wrestle and work out their own salvation, as as Paul said, uh, and to think about what it means for them to believe in Jesus and to live that out in their daily lives. So that's number four. The last one is a little three-step crunched condensed thing. Facilitate, delegate, mediate. Doing those things in your ministry and incorporating that into your structure is going to help you and your students immensely. 
Um, the best way for students to discover what they're unsure of is for them to stop being spectators and consumers. Give them the reins. Find some leaders in your students um, and say, hey, I want you to lead this out, right? Um, and when they're leading something out, uh, don't offer immediate correction, but tell them later um, what they did well and where they can improve. Allowing students to take ownership of the ministry will help them realize what goes into discipleship and leading others to Jesus. They can also give you some feedback on how elements might be improved themselves. Hey, you know what? I think if I had this, I could do it better. So that might be something personal, but also something general and objective for anyone who's doing that moving forward, whether it's other students or your volunteers or even you to do better. Yes, we can learn better methods by hearing from the students themselves instead of just being the experts who know everything, right? Practicing that humility is also a really good model and example for the students to see in you. Um, Teach your students how to mediate conflict that naturally arises in the group. Uh, When we turn their head knowledge into lifestyle habits, the lack of attention gradually fades in the midst of renewed perspectives. If they're more active in what's going on and have more ownership and then realize, oh, this situation came up and I can't just sweep that under the rug. I need to address that situation. And they've learned from you how to do that well as their leadership and just their overall betterment as a follower of Jesus as well. Uh, we're always going to wrestle for the attention of our students. Uh, But these five methods uh, will help cultivate an atmosphere of intrigue and excitement. I hope those five things help you out. Uh, If you have any ways of your own that you would like me to post about or share with our viewers and listeners, let me know. DM me on Instagram, message me on Facebook. I'd be happy to share those because several of you, I'm sure, um, have a lot more Um, experience and good insight than I've offered here. So try those out. Give me feedback on how those work. Give me feedback on other things that you've learned and I'll pass them along. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And be sure to check out our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There you can see a comprehensive list of our guests, their bio information, some organizations that can help you in your ministry, some articles I've published, and a store to help support the podcast. Also, we would love if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, not just a rating, but a review. It helps our visibility, and we would really appreciate that. If you do leave us a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I will personally mail you a thank you card with some podcast swag that you can't get on the store. Well, that does it for today. Thanks again for listening. Please share this if it helps others that you know, and we hope that you've been encouraged by it. Until next time, adios.